0: which we will say together. The words are on the sheet. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity.
1: Good evening, everybody. Well, the first verse of today's psalm might be a candidate for the most ironic Bible verse uh, in Scripture. Sing to the Lord a new psalm. I wonder if that sounds familiar. If it does sound familiar, it's probably because we read it last week. Uh, It's a very similar psalm this week as we had to last week. Psalm 98 reads almost identically to Psalm 96. Both psalms take us through past, present, and future, what God has done in the past, what our response to God is in the present, and what God will do in the future. First, we look to the past, and as we look back, we see salvation. So, verse one, if you can uh, follow along in the sheets, verse one, His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. Verse two, the Lord has made known. His salvation. And verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Salvation worked, salvation revealed, and salvation seen in those three verses. When the psalm was first written, the salvation that was mainly in mind would have been the Exodus. And the whole book of, this whole book of psalms, from Psalm 90 through to Psalm 106, the fourth book of psalms, that is, is concerned with getting us to think about the books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. It begins, of course, with the Psalm of Moses, Psalm 90, and it ends in the crescendo of Psalms 104 to 106 concerning God's work in creation and in the redemption of Israel. Looking at Psalm 98 now, as Christians, we are seeing a greater rescue, a greater salvation, which the writer prophesied, perhaps unknowingly, not an exodus from slavery in Egypt, but an exodus from slavery to sin accomplished at the cross. And so of the cross, we can say, taking the words of this psalm, God's right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him there. Of the cross, we can say, the Lord has made his salvation known through it. And of the cross, we can say, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God displayed there. Salvation worked, salvation revealed, salvation seen. From eternity past, God was working that rescue plan. From the moment of our first transgression, he set in motion its wheels, working out how he would rescue us, putting in place the architecture of salvation. This side of the cross we can see he has fully revealed that plan, the grand and full atonement made, just as he planned for. And not only has the rescue been revealed, it's been declared to the world and seen, sadly not to universal acceptance, but certainly seen by all nations. These are the marvellous things that verse one of our psalm speaks of, marvellous things which God has done. Marvellous might seem a bit of an understatement. It's a word that we associate perhaps with Victorian tomfoolery and slightly insincere upper crust hyperbole. But what God has done is very far from foolish or insincere. Salvation in Christ is the perfect design, the mightiest rescue, the most precious truth. And as we share the Lord's Supper tonight, later in the service, we can remember that a marvellous salvation that we're remembering. That was true in the past, and it remains true in the present. And so part two of the psalm, we rejoice, and we rejoice greatly. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music, verse four. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Life is punctuated with both bad and good news. How did you feel, perhaps, in some of those really good moments, those positive moments? Getting the exam results that you really hoped for as you opened uh, that letter or that email. Getting offers to the university or the job which you really aspired to. Enjoying a surprise birthday party or a surprise holiday organised by somebody else and hearing you're about to enjoy that. Winning a big prize in a competition you'd entered. Getting a clean bill of health from the doctor after a period of worry and anxiety about it. Champagne, laughter, smiles, jubilant photo calls. We can roll up all the joy from such moments, multiply it by a thousand. It'll still be far short of the joy expressed in this psalm over God's salvation. God has rescued, death is defeated, sin is overcome, hell is broken down, and the heavenly city is opened to all who will enter. Shout for joy, all the earth, shout for joy. A particular medium through which we express that joy, uh, given in this psalm, is music, both sung and instrumental. I said earlier that Psalm 98 is very similar to Psalm 96, but one particular difference is the extent to which this psalm, Psalm 98, expresses this joy in the form of music in our praise of God. The harp, the trumpet, and the horn are all mentioned in the psalm. Music is mentioned twice. And, of course, we know many other musical instruments were in use in Israel in the praise of God. Now, the jubilant musical mood of this psalm made it among all the psalms in the Psalter the prime candidate for a canticle or a song in the prayer book, which to this day we find the cantate domino as the second alternative to the magnificats in the Old Testament reading at evening prayer. Just as a wide variety of instruments were in use in the praise of God in the Old Testament, so a wide variety of instruments are rightly employed as we praise God now in the modern church. And we can delight in bringing praise to God with Guitar and organ and drums and keyboard and flutes and all sorts of other things. And we are very grateful to our musicians uh, who do uh, play those instruments for us. So thank you very much to all of you uh, who both play and who organise that for us. It's a great service. And we do, of course, need to remember that there are both vertical and horizontal aspects to our music. That's summed up in uh, the two readings that we had Certainly Psalm 98 expresses that vertical aspect of praising God, while the earlier reading, Colossians 3, expresses that horizontal aspect of uh, spurring each other on in our singing. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And in all of our singing and our music in praising God, let's keep those two axes in mind. Serving those around us on the horizontal and praising the one above us in the vertical. The song we're going to sing actually after the sermon this evening in our service today captures both of those aspects wonderfully. You can have a glance down at it on the service sheet. King of heaven, robed in light, sovereign of all, angels adore him, see how he loves us. There's the Horizontal aspect of preaching truth to each other from the pews. And then the chorus, Jesus only, Jesus only, humble and holy. How marvellous, how wonderful, your love. There's the vertical aspect of praising him, giving the praise back to him. Past, present, and thirdly, future, the third part of the psalm. We also praise God, not just because of his past salvation and work in that, but also because of what he will do as we look forward to the future. Look at verse nine of that reading. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Even though the day of judgment was thousands of years hence when this psalm was first written, the psalmist could affirm, he comes, he comes to judge the earth. And how wonderful it will be when all things are put right. A moment to rejoice when perfect justice is upheld. Not just the justice that we scrape by with on a day-to-day basis today with loose ends and cut corners all all over the place with neglects of justice and injuries to it. But a perfect justice upheld by the only one capable of upholding such justice. All of the campaigns... And the petitions and the letter writing and the complaints and even the domestic arguments of this world strive at justice. Sometimes a justice that's misconceived, often sadly a justice that's not actually achieved. But God weighs justice perfectly and he will deliver it completely. And so we can, to some extent, worry less about winning perfect justice in life. Knowing that God will bring it in eternity. Now, of course, we still strive to live righteously and do the right thing and pursue justice. But all is not lost if we ourselves don't achieve it, if we ourselves can't make it happen, because we know there is one who will, and he watches us day to day. And we praise him for that in the sure and certain promise of his justice. And what a comfort when we see scenes from Afghanistan or theatres like that at present, to know there is a just judge who's watching everything going on there, every human interaction in that country, who will set all the confusion aright at the end. The families turned out of their homes, the women stripped of their education, the minorities facing oppression under a new Taliban regime. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness, and the peoples with equity. Rejoice. We know, of course, that that judgment that he will bring at the end will include, most importantly, judgment as to where every heart lies with Jesus. And so, that day of accounts will be terrible for those outside of Christ. Day of judgment, day of wonders, hark the trumpet's awful sound Louder than ten thousand thunders shakes the vast creation round. How the summons, how the summons, will the sinner's heart confound? Lyrics of a famous hymn by John Newton on the subject. We're all sinners by nature, and so we thank God for salvation in Christ that he wrought at the cross, as we've said. And if anyone here needs to turn from love of sin tonight to Christ, then be reconciled to him now. For Newton continues, to those who have confessed it, loved and served the Lord below, he will say, come near, ye blessed, see the kingdom I bestow, you forever, you forever, shall my love and glory know. Both looking back to the wonderful salvation won and offered at the cross and looking forward to the perfect judgment and perfect justice to come, Causes our eyes and our hearts to look up to praise God for His perfect mercy, His perfect justice. Let's pray. We praise you, our Father, for your great love towards us, your costly love in sending your only Son to die for us on that cross. And we praise you for the wonder of that greater salvation as we also praise you for your certain justice, leaving no wrong unturned, no hurt unaddressed. And we each individually join in the words of Isaac Watson, saying, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And so we offer that praise of sacrifice to you, Lord. Amen. Amen.